0: If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast.
1: Well, like I alluded to, we're in a conversation called People of the Way where we're looking at what it it looks like to move As people, beyond just knowing about who Jesus is. And really, to be honest, moving past just following what he says to be true. It's really taking on this new way of being human here and now and engaging every single aspect of our life. I think about this in the same way I thought about getting married. Well, when Marla and I uh, were engaged, we run in a lot of circles of amazing therapists and coaches and mentors and people who love us very well that have a lot of experience. And so uh, we did all kinds of premarital counseling. I mean, we did premarital coaching. We did premarital counseling. We did assessments. We did other assessments. And we went into marriage, I felt, super prepared with all kinds of tools available to us. And what I realized after getting married was there's this period where we put the tools in place, and it felt really clunky. It, like it was, it was a, what I hear you saying is, and then repeat that back to me, and whatever it else may be. And at first, it was a clunky experience trying to engage this new way of relating to another person and being with people. And then, at some point in time, it just became a natural flow in our relationship, where, where now we don't go, okay, what's the training again? I'm supposed to repeat what you said and then I'm supposed to say yes and then we're supposed to talk about feelings and then we're supposed to do this. Now it's just a natural flow at times in our relationship because we've taken on this new way of relating to one another. And I think this is actually a major shift that most people never take in their connection with Jesus because Jesus did not come to impose a religious system on us so that we could somehow appease God so that we could somehow make God happy. He doesn't come saying, well, if this is what you do and if this is how you act and if you eat this and don't do this and don't say this and speak this and don't speak that, then you will appease God based on all the rules that you kept on all the things that you've done and all the ways that you engage it." He actually says, I am God and I'll just take care of all of that for you. I I will take that on and I will take care of that for you. And in that process, I'm going to show you this new way of being human. This new way of not only relating to me, but relating to one another and relating to yourself and your circumstances and your finances and your emotional health and your mental health and your physical health and what it actually means to be human. And the way that he gives us is not an instruction manual. He doesn't say, hey, here's a nice prophecy from God that I'm coming to give you. He says, I am the way. It's me. And so if you follow me, you will find life and you will find the Father. And and this is what makes the movement of Jesus so, so audacious. Because Every other religious system on the planet that's out there, and I know the movement of Jesus gets lumped into that, is, is human beings downloading some type of knowledge to follow. that if we follow the knowledge, then somehow we will get to where we need to be. That that through a vision or a prophet or a philosophy, then we will somehow get to enlightenment or inner peace. Or we will find ourselves in freedom in some way, shape, or form. But what Jesus says is, look, I am the way and I'm going to bypass all of that. And I'm just going to hand you enlightenment. I'm just going to hand you freedom. I'm just going to hand you what it looks like to live a life filled with abundance rather than scarcity. And he hands it all over to this. Let me hand it to you if you're willing to follow me in the process. See, see, even when Jesus says, I am the truth, after he says, I am the way, he's not saying, I am laying down the law. I am laying down the truth. He is actually saying, I am handing you this map for reality I'm freely giving it to you so that you can navigate through this life here and now. See, in the same way that when I pull up my phone and I open Apple Maps, I can certainly look at the map and get frustrated with what I see. It would be really strange to to look at the map and say, how arrogant of this map to tell me that a building is there. I don't even know if I believe in buildings. In fact, I don't even know if that's historically correct that that building is there. You know what, I'm refusing to believe it, And, and there's a street here that I'm supposed to drive down? That's so arrogant to tell me the way that I am supposed to go. See, you can either find yourself frustrated that things exist or they don't exist, or you can follow the map to your destination. See, when we become people of the way, the movement, the direction, it releases you to live in this level of freedom. However, this does require some level of surrender of saying, this is the way, and this is the truth, and it impacts everything that I step into. It impacts every essence of who I am. I mean, listen to how Paul talks about this way of relating to Jesus. In Acts 17, 28, he says this, for in him we live, and we move, and we have our being." See, this is the language of what it means to be people of the way. It permeates how we live, it permeates how we move here and now. It's not something that we add on to our life where we check off all the boxes and, and now I find myself in right living. This isn't something that says now I've done all the right things and now I can finally step into the spaces that I need to. He's saying this is the very thing that we have our being in, that our essence is grounded in this person of Jesus knowing the way. See, I actually know when someone has shifted from Jesus being a nice idea to being a person of the way, when following Jesus actually impacts how they make all the decisions in their life. That that when following Jesus is actually the rubric that they use and his voice and his way in how they choose to actually live out their life. See, it's, it's no longer, well, what feels good in the moment, or what seems good, or what's most logical, or what will bring me the most happiness in the moment with that. It is really a larger conversation that, that, that Jesus invites us into, where, where we say, I, I really don't care what I'm feeling in the moment, or what logically makes sense, or, or what's going to make me even look good in this space. We're asking the question how do I move? How do I breathe? How do I find my very being in the middle of all of this? Because it's the way of Jesus that brings us to life. It impacts everything. It is with Jesus that we apprentice what it means to be human and how to live as human beings with other human beings in a very flawed reality that we find ourselves in. And a bigger part of this coming people of the way, is actually being in a conversation with God himself. That we are in a conversation with this God who declares himself to be the way and the truth, aka prayer. It's a massive part of what it means to be people of the way, because if we are going to become people of the way, we actually must become people of prayer. And as I was thinking about this talk, I thought, there's so many things that could be said about prayer. And there's so many things that have been said about prayer. Where, where do we even begin? So I thought we'd actually start with this admonition to all of us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17. That, that if you are committed to becoming a person of the way, if you're not, feel free to just load this away for later. But if you are, this is what Paul says to us. He says, rejoice always. Pray continuously. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. No biggie, right? Just pray all the time. <laughs> never stop. Uh, with, with everything that you do, just keep praying that there never should be a moment where you should stop praying, that, that this should be just constantly going on all the time in your life. Do you ever feel bogged down with all the things that you're supposed to do these days? I don't know about you, but if someone gives me another thing that I'm supposed to do, I'm probably gonna explode. (laughs) I mean, I, I remember when it was first like, you shouldn't eat carbs, right? And everyone's like, don't eat carbs, they're the devil. So everyone cuts out carbs with that, you know, and then all of a sudden it's, well, you should cut out carbs, but you should also do intermittent fasting. So I shouldn't eat before noon, so now I've cut out carbs, and now I'm intermittent fasting before noon. And then there's this whole, like, gentle parenting. So now I'm supposed to gentle parent, and my kid's never supposed to be upset or in distress. And so I'm supposed to be with them all the time, making sure that they're happy and fulfilled and go through all of those processes. And so I'm now supposed to take this on and understand their attachment style in the middle of that. And then, of course, we're not supposed to eat gluten now. So... Anything that brings you joy, you're supposed to cut out of your life in the middle of that as well. You're supposed to meditate and moisturize, but you're supposed to get out in the sun, but you're not supposed to get too much sun. You're supposed to wear sunblock when you're out, but the sunblock has all kinds of chemicals in it that are going to leach into your system, so don't put on too much sunblock, but make sure you get sun because you need the vitamin E. And then we find ourselves in all kinds of things. You're supposed to go to church, you're supposed to be in community, but you're also supposed to have friends outside of the church, make sure you do all of that. And then I actually just got an email from a friend this week that said, all chocolate that we're eating has heavy metals in it, and so get rid of it. And I thought, no, I'm done, I'm done. No, there's, I don't need another thing. I don't, not, I don't need another thing that I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do. And so I don't know about you, But when I read passages of scripture like this, when it says, rejoice always, pray continually, I think, really? Like, is this another thing that I'm supposed to add to my task? Is this another responsibility that I'm supposed to take on with all the other things that I'm supposed to be doing or not supposed to be doing? It feels like a massive task, like I have to. Or is it? Could it be something else? See, because what what if what Paul's inviting us into, praying continuously, is actually something that we do all the time, already? That is not something that you need to add on to your life, but it's something that we engage in on a regular basis in the same way that we engage in breathing, See, the word prayer means to ask earnestly, to beg, to request. It's a conversation where someone is asking something. In Shakespearean language, when someone says, pray, tell me, they're saying, please, please tell me something. And so when we are praying, it's a conversation with God or something where we're asking or making a request or begging or saying, this is what I need. And we think of these prayer times as times where we pause, we close out the world, we close our eyes, we our hands, we bow our heads, and we talk to God, but I'm going to ask you to consider today that you are actually always in a conversation of prayer, that you are always making a request, begging, asking for something all the time. The question isn't if you are praying. The question this morning is who and what are you praying to, that who or what is your soul actually crying out for something and is it actually working in the middle of this? In fact, let's just do a little exercise together, right? Let's warm up today. Not a physical exercise, don't worry. I'm going to actually give you a minute. I'm going to time it on my, on my phone, and I'm going to give you a minute. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to pause, and if it helps you to focus, you can close your eyes. But I'd like for you to take a minute, and I would like for you to listen to your thoughts, Now, this is something that we don't do that often. It's a practice that many of us don't engage in on a regular basis. And so for some of you, this will be a very horrifying experience. This might be very disturbing for some of you just to pause and to listen to the thoughts that are going on in your head. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to not attempt to control them. Like like you're not supposed to think certain things. Like this isn't the time where you're like, think about Jesus, think about Jesus. And if that's what's going on for you, that's fine. But, But I just want you to notice where your thoughts go. Like as if you were on the side of a busy highway and you were watching the cars go by, and you're going, oh, that's interesting. I'd like for you to do that with your thoughts, that if you were just stood on the side of the road of your thoughts and you listened to them, what might they be telling you? So take a minute, if you need to close your eyes, you can. Begin. Begin. Stop. So that was a minute of listening to your thoughts right there. And I'm going to ask you to consider what did you notice about this time, the minute that you found yourself in? How many of you found your thoughts to be a little chaotic? Yeah. Like they were just kind of all over the place. You're like, if this was traffic, it would be insane. Like we were in a third world country with all kinds of like buses and cars and motorbikes all going together. I've been in some of those situations. How many of you felt that this was long? Like, please make it stop. Yeah. (laughs) How many of you found your your thoughts to to be surprising? Was anyone surprised by the things that you thought or that came up? You may have been shocked at where your mind went in the middle of it. Or how many of you, this was familiar? Like you paused and you go, oh, wow. That voice is there all the time. And it's pretty noisy. And I don't oftentimes pause to listen to it. But it's there. You may be even shocked how familiar you were with that voice, like an old friend that you haven't gotten in touch with for a long time. I'm going to ask you to consider that whatever was going on for you, all the thoughts that were there, that was actually your soul begging for something. It was your soul longing for something, to make sense of the world, to find freedom, to, to find some type of life. To, do, to engage in some type of an abundant experience, that, that your soul is wrestling all the time in a conversation, praying, begging, asking, saying, how do I find life? And we actually pray to all kinds of things and all kinds of people in order to attempt to find that life, that, that our soul is always crying out, saying, how do I find this life? How do I find this freedom? How do I find this release? And so our soul is praying to all kinds of things all the time. See, for some of you, you are actually in a constant state of praying to your worry and fear. That you are praying to that constantly saying, please, please tell me the future. And please, please, whatever it is, please let it be good. Don't let it be bad like everything I've experienced before. Grasping for anything that will give you assurance of the unknown. And so we pray to the fear, and we pray to the worry, and we pray to the concern, hoping that the scarcity that drives worry will somehow go away if we pray to it long enough, and we might actually find abundance in the middle of it. See, for some of you, you have been practicing praying to bitterness, and your prayer has been a prayer begging that there would be some type of revenge on those who have wronged you in life that there would be some type of punishment or some type of execution against those who have taken things from you or harmed you or removed things from you that were never meant to be removed, requesting payback for the past so that you could have this future that you know is available for you. See, some of you have been, have been praying to your grief, not like a healthy prayer, but but a prayer of just begging Life to turn out the way that it's supposed to be. That life wouldn't be the way that it currently is, that it wasn't what you were wanting for. And so there's a space of constant prayer to the grief, hoping the anger or the bargaining or the depression will actually lead you to that life that you long to be possible. Some of you are are very practiced in praying to your feelings, that you're... You're constantly saying, tell me what to do. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with all of this energy inside of me. For some of you, you, you actually beg that it would go away, that it would stop, that the, the feelings would be silenced in there, begging for some sense of, of peace of mind, requesting apathy to stick around long enough so that you don't have to feel anything. And that if you just got to that space, at least that's better than feeling what you currently feel. And, and for some of you, look, let's be honest, you just pray to your own ego. That if I can stay in control, that, that, that I can finally get a grasp on this life. And so you pray, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Stay in control. Don't let anything get out of control. Don't let things get out of your hands. Don't let anyone else in. And we are designed to be in a constant state of prayer. You can't get away from it. You are always, always, always in a constant conversation, requesting something from someone or something or some spirit, but you are constantly in that space. See, the question that I think is most important this morning isn't, are you praying? The question is, are your prayers working? Are your prayers actually moving you towards life? All those thoughts that you were listening to, when you listen to them, are you like, man, I am being moved towards God and towards life by all of those thoughts. Now that I feel so fulfilled and abundant and free as a result of all of these prayers. See, see when the scriptures call us to be a people of prayer, to pray without ceasing, it isn't saying add another thing to your regimen. It's not saying, look, you need another hour or you need to get in a prayer closet. Not that those things are bad, but it is saying, if you would just align your current conversation that you are in, your current prayer that you are praying with the conversation that God is having, it will move you towards a deeper connection to the God of the universe. And in that, we might be in a conversation that moves us towards life and to the Father. That it actually might produce a result other than fear, or anxiety, or anger, or control, or the need to get things right. See, because I'm gonna ask you that, that our souls were meant to be in constant conversation with God himself, and any other conversation is just a lesser conversation. It's a lower conversation. At best case scenario, it will be unproductive. Worst case scenario, it will leave your soul fractured because it will constantly keep you in a space of begging for life, of begging for freedom, of begging for something more. Most of our our prayer that we teach to kids is based on this very strange puritanical idea of what prayer is supposed to be. In fact, when when we teach our kids to pray, and I grew up with this, no bad, but we teach our kids, close your eyes, fold your hands, bow your heads. And if you do that, then you can create this space where now prayer can happen. In fact, we sang this creepy song when we were kids that said, well, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Well, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And then it followed up with this weird line, because the father up above is looking down with love. He might see what you're seeing, right? He might know what your hands are doing. Get him up, Right? <laughs> And so we find, and I always love that he's looking down with love, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it sounds like a little creepy, right? And the idea was that if we folded our hands, we wouldn't be distracted by the things that we were doing. If we closed our eyes, then we wouldn't be distracted by the circumstances around us, that if we, if we bowed our heads, it would somehow move us towards this space of reverence. But when I teach my boys to pray, I tell them, you keep your eyes open and your hands out and your head lifted, Because I do not want prayer to be a separate experience from their everyday life. That prayer isn't a moment that I go and have in the corner, although that's an important thing at times. Prayer is an active conversation that I am having with God in every second and every moment that I want my kids to look out and say, whatever I am seeing, I am going to align that with the conversation with God. Whatever my hands are up to, whether it is work or school or caring for a friend, that I will align my conversation with God. That whatever influence I am given, I will give that up to him, but I will keep my head up and out That as I am living, as I am moving, as I am breathing, I will be praying. And that I will find myself in an active space of prayer. Because when you choose to align the conversation already going on inside of you, begging for comfort, relief, for freedom, for control with the God of the universe, everything shifts. Everything starts to transform in the middle of this And I'm going to invite you into that space, that as you look out at the world, that it would call you into an alignment with God, because there's enough stuff to look out at and go, oh, this is completely out of whack with what God's up to, isn't there? That whatever you give your hands to, whether it is at work or home or in spaces of healing or care, that that those moments would be a call to align your physical work and actions with the movement of God. And that whatever influence you have been given, that you would lift your head high and say, I give all of it over to the God of the universe in this conversation that I'm in with you. And in this, prayer becomes a living, moving, breathing essence that we take on. Not just an action that happens every now and then when we bow our heads and close our eyes and and fold our hands. Even this... Look, even this sitting and talking about prayer is a little bit like taking a swim class and sitting in a classroom and saying, all right, kids, now pull out your handbook to page 405, let's talk about water, right? And here's the backstroke, everyone see it? Now, you know, it's a little weird because you actually don't know what water feels like until you get in it. You actually don't know what a backstroke feels like until you start engaging it. You don't know what swimming is until you actually get in the water. Now, look, we could talk all day about prayer and still not touch the surface of what prayer looks like. So I actually would like to take just a little bit of time this morning and engage in a prayer practice together, that we might align ourselves with the conversation that God's having. Now, for some of you, you might be like, that sounds horrifying. Great. Strap in. All right? All right. Because in Luke chapter 6, verse 5 through 13, Jesus gives us now what's called this model prayer. When he's teaching people how to pray, this is what he says to us. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need even before you ask him. See, this isn't about begging God for something. This is about aligning our hearts with what he's up to. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, when we start talking about aligning our thoughts with who we are talking about, this is what it means. It means recognizing that I am aligning my thoughts with the God of the universe, that I am stepping into a space where I am no longer interacting with my fears or my worries or my bitterness or my ego or my grief or my heartbreak or whatever it is. I'm aligning it with this God who is higher than me and has a perspective that is currently not available to me but that he is making available to me if I would like it. And so in this space, I pause, and I recognize this reality, and I choose to align my voice with his voice in this moment. Have you ever paused and realized unexpectedly that you were in a beautiful moment? Just the other night, I was watching the boys. Marla was out, and and the boys decided that they were gonna play ninjas. And I'm on my laptop in the the living room doing work, and and the boys are playing this ninja game, and the ninja game was that they had to get from their bedroom to their studio, uh, which is on the other side of the living room without being seen by me. And I didn't realize that this was happening until halfway through, and I would look up and see you, right? (laughs) Ah, dad, and they'd run back to their room, and, and, and it became this fun game of them attempting to get to their room without seeing me. And halfway through, I thought, this is such a beautiful moment. Like, I want to take a snapshot of this moment where my boys are getting along, (laughs) and and they're using every bit of their imagination, and they're interacting with me in this beautiful way. And I just thought, I want to pause and recognize that I am in this beautiful, beautiful moment that I may not ever get again with my boys here in this space. See, I think that what God is up to oftentimes is that He is wanting to create beautiful, holy moments for us. And where we get it wrong, or where things often go wrong, is where we think that God has forgotten us, or that God has left us, but the reality is is we just haven't aligned our hearts and our minds with the reality of what God's up to. And so when we start out by saying, our Father." who are in heaven hallowed, holy, so beautiful is your name. What we're saying is, oh, I forgot that I am in a sacred, holy, beautiful moment right now. With with the full essence of the God of the universe with me here in this space, holy is your name. See, he knows that. It's not a matter of him going, oh, good. I was worried that I wasn't holy anymore. What he's actually saying is, Would you be willing to recognize that? Because if you start there, it will shift the reality that you live in. So here's what I want to do. I want you to give you a minute, and I would like for you to just pray a prayer to yourself. This is just talking to God, aligning yourself with God. You don't have to do it out loud. But I'd like for you to just take a minute, letting God know that you remember that he's higher than you, and you remember that, that he is beautiful, set apart, that his ways are higher than your ways. If you want to close your eyes, you can. I don't feel sad about that. But, but just take one minute and do that right now. Begin. Amen. So Jesus follows up this intro to this model prayer Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever been in a relationship where you chronically fight over what should happen? Let's be honest, those of you who are really stubborn know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, Marla and I don't often have large, like, knockdown, drag out fights, uh, but we have lots and lots of power struggles over the most ridiculous things. I I mean, for those of you who are married or even those of you who have, like, really great friendships in the room, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, and you find yourself struggling over dumb things. Last night, Marla and I were driving out. Janice and Chris Thepsey took our kids last night as a gift to us, and and we were like, let's go to Barnes & Noble and read books. That would be amazing. And uh, and, uh, so we're on our way, and Marla says, you know all those sticks and leaves that were left in our backyard when we trimmed our tree? I'm gonna put those in trash bags. And I'm like, you can't put those in trash bags. You'd have like 40 trash bags. That's okay. And I'm like, where are you gonna put the trash bags? I don't know. I'm like, honey, you can't do that. She's like, yes, I'm going to see if I can. And we're arguing back and forth about literally leaves and twigs. And halfway through, Marla just goes, okay, fine, we're dropping this. Because I realize this is a dumb power struggle, right? And we find ourselves struggling in life all the time over the way that things should be. And we get dug in on our way that it should be. And here's the thing, when we get dug in on the way that things should be, that is what usually leads to either disappointment or scarcity, I'm disappointed that life didn't turn out the way that it should be, or life isn't turning out the way that it should be, and therefore that means there's not enough fill in the blank for us. And this is our releasing our need to have life turn out the way that it should be, and saying, God, I would actually like for you to have life turn out the way that it was designed to be, because they're two very different things. How many of you get that your way that things should be is oftentimes dramatically different from how the way God has actually designed things to turn out? So when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, it is in heaven, it is simultaneously us releasing our own ideas around the way things should be and then taking on saying, God, I accept the way that you have designed things. Would you show me that? Would you have that come here and now? And would I step into that in every circumstance, in every relationship, in every space? And even when we pray, when we say amen, that word literally means let it be so. Not Here's what I want, let it be so, but all right, I surrender the way that I think it should be. Would you give me the way that you designed it to be and let that be so? And so let's just take one more minute and here's what I'd like for you to do in this minute is I would like for you to find an area where you're dug in in your life, where you're actually looking at it going, this is the way it should be could be your finances, it could be your job, it should be your, could be your kids, it could be a relationship that you find yourself in, an area that you're like, life is not turning out the way that it's supposed to, and I'm mad about it. I'm frustrated. This is not, the, this is not what I was hoping for, longing for, and what I'd love for you to do is be willing to release that and just say, God, would your kingdom come in this space? in this relationship, in my finances, in the circumstances, in my emotional space, whatever it is, and just ask, Lord, would you download for me? Would you show me the way that it is designed to be? So this is a releasing and an accepting space. One minute, begin. So our kingdom come, our will be done is followed up with this statement. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. See, this is about turning away from our universal human paradigm of seeing the world through the lens of scarcity. That there's not enough. That is actually our natural bent as human beings to look out at the world and say, I don't have what I need. And what this is is saying, God, would you provide what I need? Which is oftentimes distinct from what I want. Now I know those things get very confused in our brain because this isn't, God, give us this day, our daily supersized extra value meal with dessert on the side and the soda that I want. This is give us bread because what I actually need is bread in this moment. (laughs) It is connected to actually receiving and giving forgiveness. That scarcity and receiving what we need is connected to our willingness to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness. I am telling you that the more that you hold on to unforgiveness, the more scarce your world will become. You will constantly be looking out at the world saying, there is not enough, I don't have enough, God didn't provide, God isn't providing, something was taken from me, so I have to get back. What is owed me in the middle of this? And what supports getting out of that is recognizing that I am in just much need of forgiveness as any single other person in my life that has wronged me. That if we were to put a list down of all the things that I need forgiveness for, that the list would be equal, if not greater, than any other person on the planet. And when God says that we would release those who have trespassed against us and we would receive his forgiveness, that that is what is connected to receiving our daily bread. Suddenly now I go, oh, God is providing everything that I need. And it is a recognition that God is providing always. So as I release those who have taken from me, and I receive a God who is abundantly providing for all the areas that I have blown it, it creates a space to receive the daily bread that he has for me in any given moment. That there will always be enough. And so I want you to take one moment right now, one minute, and I'd like for you to ask God to receive his forgiveness for anything that you need forgiveness for. And then ask him, is there anyone that I need to forgive? And if there is, forgive. And watch what happens to your relationship with abundance and scarcity as you do this. So take one minute, begin. Begin. Finally, Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This always sounds weird, like very super spiritual to me, and I get anxious when people blame the devil for things that are going on in their lives. It's easy to do that, but this is a request that we would be delivered from the impulses that move us towards destruction in life. All the thoughts... All the emotions, all the drives that move us away from health and towards destruction and hopelessness. And look, we've all experienced those drives, those thoughts, those impulses. I mean, I don't need to ask you to raise your hand if you're someone in the room who looks at their life and says, there are things that I do that I wish I didn't do. And I don't even know why I do them because every day I'm like, why do I do this? And you keep doing it, right? And what this is saying is, Lord, deliver me. Do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And we've all experienced that. And what God is in the business of is freedom. He's saying, hey, I would love to set you free from those impulses that move your life towards destruction. So finally, I'd like for you to pick one area in your life where you would like freedom from. It could be a habit. It could be a thought. It could be something that you keep doing or something that you keep not doing could be a relationship that you find yourself in that you need freedom from. But I want you to take one minute and say, do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Begin. I want to ask you, what was that experience like? Throw out some experiences that you had in that time of prayer. Vulnerable, Vulnerable. Surrender. surrender, spirit, what else? What did you experience? Peace. Peace, what else? Love, Love. what else? Clarity. Clarity, what else? Accountability, hope. How many of you noticed that this experience was very different from just listening to your own prayers? Yes? yes? How many of you noticed that, that your thoughts moved from chaotic and disorganized and familiar and noisy into, oh wow, there is a space of now alignment and hope and there's some freedom that's now available here in this minute? Do you know how long you actually prayed for? Four minutes. It's amazing with just four minutes of aligning my prayer with the conversation that God is up to in the universe around me, how it transforms everything that we go into. And this is why when Jesus starts out the model prayer, he's like, do not pray, on and on and on. Your prayer is not an opportunity to virtue signal about how spiritual you are. If you would just align your conversation with the heart and mind of God, it will shift everything for you. And here's the crazy thing. As you begin doing this, God will start speaking back. And it actually moves from a monologue into a dialogue where the spirit of God himself begins speaking into your soul. And he starts moving you into that space. See, here's the beautiful thing about all of this is that we could go on and on and on about prayer, but the craziest thing is this, that the God of the universe, of all the things that he could be doing, that he is interested in being in a conversation, in a dialogue with you about your life and the person he has designed you and created you to be, that you might be unleashed to live the life that you were designed to him as you align your conversation with his spirit and as we engage that conversation here and now, we will become people of the way. That suddenly we will find ourselves having transformed impulses. That it will be suddenly a space where we go, oh, I, I, I choose forgiveness over bitterness. I, I choose release over control. I, I, I choose abundance over scarcity. I choose faith over fear. I choose beauty over chaos. I refuse to live a lesser life, and to step into a smaller conversation. See, as you pray, God is interested in elevating the conversation that you are in here and now. Prayer is not something you need to add on to your life. It is you redirecting the prayer that you are currently in with the heart of God and moving your life forward. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you are are a God who longs to be in conversation with us. That you long to speak to us and you long for us to speak to you. As we become people of the way, people of truth, would you also call us to become people of prayer? That we would become those who align our hearts and minds to your spirit and we would be transformed in the process. And this morning, if you're here in the room or if you're online and you have not yet connected to Jesus. Maybe this is a very new thing for you. Maybe this is the first time today you've prayed in a long time or ever. That's awesome. I would love to invite you into a relationship with Jesus through prayer. And if you're online you can join us here, but if that's you, I'd love for you just to look up at me and just say, yeah, I, I'm interested in connecting into a relationship with Jesus. If you're online you can just type in Jesus in the comments section. We know what that means. And I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer just like we did You can just pray it to yourself up to God and it's aligning your heart with his. You can say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken and that you came and you died for me and you came back to life so that I could fully live. And so I make you Lord and I align my heart and soul with you. I thank you in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.